0: We are in our DeLoreans, traveling over to Hollywood Boulevard. And we're here. And what year is it?
1: Oh, we are firmly in the present now.
0: Okay, we've moved back to the present.
1: Yeah, don't know. <laughs> you, you don't know, but chances are you are. We're firmly in the present because Alyssa and I... Hello, Alyssa. Hi. Can, can for one say that we are all caught up on a couple of uh, current Netflix shows. We're usually lagging so far behind on the streaming, but we're very much in... July almost August of 2019 and we're happy to, uh, to do a big uh, a deep dive. But before that I guess we want to go to 2010 Yeah we have a, We're going we're gonna to start out with a, sort of a capsule review I suppose of a play that uh, we saw recently at Lincoln Center Theater Alyssa do you want to give a brief rundown?
2: Sure um, It's called The Rolling Stone by a British playwright named Chris Urich I think He's fairly new. I think this is his second. Urch.
1: Urch. Chris Urch? Uh,
2: he doesn't really have any currency here. It's his second play. Um, I guess his U.S. debut. But it is, so the Rolling Stone refers to a Ugandan newspaper that back in 2010 printed the names and addresses and pictures of suspected homosexuals. Um, so the play deals with um a gay guy in Uganda who is living during this time and he has a relationship with a Irish half doctor. Ugandan half
1: Irish doctor yeah um,
2: His brother is the pastor of the church and uh, he's very devout so he wrestles with his Christianity, his homosexuality, what's going on. Uh, in the world around him. its I've heard it and seen it described as um, sort of like a take on Arthur Miller's The Crucible, which I think is fair.
1: I don't know plot- if I think wa- this is fair.
2: Plot-wise, um, yeah, I think that sums up the plot of it. It <laughs> sums
1: up the plot of it, and the problem therein is that the plot is basically <laughs> the all therein. like. What we have is essentially a premise. What happens if you are a, a gay man in Uganda when you're not allowed legally to be a gay man in Uganda? But that's, that's like it for two hours, just as characters talk, of, talk this whole premise out. That's the play. There isn't actually a whole series of events to to um, sort of provide a, a backbone to this quandary that he's in.
2: Yeah, and it's very formulaic. It's like, first we're gonna get his, his like, the main character's name is Dembe, and uh, he's played by Ado Blankson Wood. Blankson Wood. He's yeah. very good. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's really, really great in the part, but, like, first he has a scene with his boyfriend, and then he has a scene with his family, and then he has a scene with his boyfriend, and then he has, you know what I mean? Like, it's very formulaic. Um, and very presentational. It's a lot of telling and not showing this. I think the set hinders it. The set looks like a net. Would it, would, yeah. I mean, there is isn't, a,
1: there isn't much to the set. It's a pretty open set in like the, in like the three quarter, almost the round stage that um, sure. Lincoln center has. Thrust right. December, thanks. Um, uh, so we really just have, uh, like a background. Yeah. I, I yeah. bring up
2: the set cause it doesn't really place us anywhere. There's no props. Right. right. Okay. So there's like, except newspapers, but so there's nothing really like to ground us
1: in Yeah, there. there's nothing that really defines you from yeah. location yeah, to location. Yeah.
2: Um, cost. you know, it's really a nondescript play. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, it's very presentational. Um, it's just like, do you remember that time I was here? Or let me tell you about this. Or let me tell you this story. Or do you remember this so, have I'm, you
1: heard about this? Yeah, that sort the, of thing.
2: The cast is really good. Its heart is in the right place, but it doesn't really do a deep dive into this.
1: this what this life really means.
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I never really felt a sense of danger no. for the character. Did you? No. Um, no, this,
1: the, because it's so presentational and formulaic the stakes feel very low key.
2: Yeah. And I think I said this to you yesterday that, so one of the characters, I think it's a six character play. So one of the characters is Dembe's brother, Joe, who's the, just becomes the pastor of the church, uh, at the start of the play. And he, I think he's the more interesting character because he's dealing with, um, Trying to create a successful congregation, not having his family fall into poverty, having to deal with
1: this witch hunt. Yeah, I mean, it could really be what it, for him what it is to be torn between filial duty and faith, and the sacrifices he has to make between one and the other. But that's not really what is explored here.
2: Yeah, well, I just think it would be a better that would be a better play.
1: <laughs> but- Agreed.
2: It's not, I, it's, I don't recommend it. I think it runs two more weeks. It's, you know, it's fine for a Sunday afternoon. It, it runs about an hour 50 or whatever, hour 45 with an intermission. But, like, I don't know how you feel, but lately I feel like everything at Lincoln Center, their off-Broadway space at the New House has been sort of, like, ho-hum. Very, oh, very much so. A,
1: a sleepy. Um, even if yeah. I
2: like them, it's just like, well, this is forgettable. Like,
1: because I think this is a big subscriber theater, and they want their audiences who are typically 175 <laughs> years old um, to feel good about what they have seen, but not to feel challenged by it. Yeah. So, so you you get very compromised material.
2: Which I don't know. I feel like that's a new thing because I, if you go back and think about the stuff they used to do. It used to be way more exciting than, like I, I, a John Guar...
1: But I think destiny. what we're doing now is, is writing about concepts. So yeah. we're talking about social topics as opposed to creating character-based story, which you can still address any social topic of complexity you want, but, but when you do it like this, it's, it's so bare-bones. It's like, here's a guy, the guy is gay, the guy has family issues because he is gay and lives in Uganda. Good night.
2: Yeah, that's about it. This sums it up. Do not recommend. <laughs>
1: yeah, again, it's a, it's, it's a tough thing because you really don't want to outright dismiss shows whose hearts are in the right place, but they don't really at the same time deserve to be shows because they're not fully realized works of art.
0: Right, so it sounds like it's it sounds like there's the the message through that the play is imparting is important, and it's important to give this a voice. You just wish that it had been more of a play.
2: Well, Yes and no. I feel like it doesn't. Is it really? It's not really saying anything. Like, well,
1: it's not saying anything new. It's not shedding light sure. on
2: this crisis that happened. It's not really like. like I keep using the word representational, but it's like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this, but like, it doesn't really comment on it. It, it just sort of. Happens. And I think like. Not that this matters, but the playwright is British, he is white, so I don't know, like, where he's coming from with this play, like, you yeah. know, I don't necessarily believe, write what you know, but I do think that when you write about cultures that aren't your own, or that you don't have some, some insight into, there is something, you're gonna miss something, uh, uh or and you know, or you're just like not gonna do the story justice because you can only know so much. Um, That's again not to say that you shouldn't write about all different types of people, but I don't know. In this case, I do feel like I have there's a problem there. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, it feels like we're just sort of pantomiming it around feels an like issue right? school rapidly.
2: project, yeah, rather than yeah. like. The thing is, it's missing, like...
1: The actual meat
0: yeah.
1: isn't there. It's, it lacks potency. So, hence our lack of recommendation. Okay. The cast is very good, though.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. The cast redeems that? No. No. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> Glad they got the credit on uh, the work weeks. Um, so, yeah, that's The Rolling Stone. A couple more weeks at Lincoln Center Theater. And, um, I guess we'll see if their next show in the new house is It'll be a better. Samuel
2: D. Hunter, so, hopefully.
1: Yeah, because he's one of our favorite Judah playwrights. Ivy.
2: Anyway. Cool. All
1: right, so we've got, we were in 2010, and now we're in 2019. Um, so, uh, I, I don't think we said at the started this, Alyssa and I were on vacation last week, that's why there was no podcast last week, we were in Aruba we spent a good amount of time outside and had the sunburns to show for it, however we also spent a good amount of time inside catching up on Netflix on a TV hotel on the hotel TV Um, so one of the things that we are all caught up on um, is Stranger Things but Karen, I know that's a big one for you too and you haven't caught up on it
0: no, I'm only at like episode 3
1: well, keep going um but I will say I think we are in agreement that we actually like the third season the best. Well, ah. We,
2: well, we watched the second and third season together, so it's all sort of feels like a sev- big long 17 episode season, but um yes, I do like the third season the best, but you know, when I watched the first season, I watched the first season like maybe a year after it debuted. So it had already pierced the cultural fabric. So I expected a lot more from it because so many things had already become like instantly iconic for lack of a better term. No, they were they um, are so I was like, Oh, is that it? Like, is this the show? That's all it is? So I felt really underwhelmed by the first season and I was like, I don't really care if this if we watch when we watch the second season but we watched. We ended up watching it in the hotel room, and I really enjoyed it. I really like enjoyed the cast more. I really. Uh, I still think there's some things missing. With I really don't understand the upside down and and what the lab is doing. I don't think those things are that well developed. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. I agree. And one of the things I want to say is I was unsure by the end of season one, as glad as I was to have Winona Ryder back, if I thought she was doing a good job or not. By the ends of season two and three, I can not wholeheartedly say she's doing a fantastic job and not getting the credit she deserves. and yeah. people keep talking about the other people on the show. Well,
2: because yeah. she was saddled with, you know,
1: the crazy. Yeah. You know,
2: she was. Michael on
1: lost, you know <laughs> yeah, where's yeah. my
2: boy? What did they do to my boy? They took my boy,
1: like I know he's there. You're not listening yet, um,
0: there, I think
1: that yeah, what what I've really
0: loved about her, and i'm I'm seeing more of this in season three as it develops is they actually really gave her a journey to to um it might have taken her a while to get there, but you actually do see the change where she started out as this kind of meek mom you know, um, that was struggling, single mom struggling to raise her kids. And, and she was pretty meek and people kind of walked all over her. And then you could see her grow, her strength building as she was trying to protect her son, you know, and, and her, and her confidence in herself being able to protect him too. I think she's been doing a phenomenal job through this whole series.
1: Yeah. And I think she's also really good at a lot of really small moments that aren't part of the the bigger story that are very humane,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. but but they're both humorous and, and not um, that she is playing very sharply. Also, David Harbour has two Emmy nominations for this show, and he's excellent, but they've been in the supporting actor category, and he, quite frankly, is the lead, and he does a fantastic job that I don't think enough people also still talk about. There, I said it.
0: Well, they're talking about the kids, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think Millie Bobby Brown is really jumped out as the breakout star in the show
1: the one who plays 11 who is probably the one i'm the least
2: yeah, keen on. Yeah, she's like my least favorite part of the show. Not against there's nothing against her per se, but i don't i feel like 11 really like stops the show in a bad way. It becomes a different show. I feel like they've never really defined what her powers are and how she can use them. Yeah. And especially in the 3rd season they're pretty can conv- they, you know they're pretty contrived, and it's, like, a real convenience. Um, so, and, and you know, there was that second season episode. I think it was episode eight.
1: Eight of nine, yeah.
2: Um,
1: Which was, like, a, a, a sort stand-alone. of standalone for her, where her character went to Chicago.
2: So, I don't know. I, for me, oh, I
0: kind of enjoyed that.
2: Like, I know that a lot of people love Eleven because the shaped head, the waffles, the nose, you know, it's the, she's the easiest Halloween costume, like I said, but,
0: um, no, I, I really enjoyed her. I in particular enjoyed the Chicago trip. Um, I loved being able to see that other side of things. Um, and I liked that she went off on her own, um, to sort of find something. She had her own journey to sort of go on and she went on it. I mean, I do think the show is stronger when it's all the kids together, sort of battling something, whatever that is. Um, but, um, but I think, I think allowing her that time in Chicago, I felt like she was the most compelling there than she had been with the other kids, frankly.
2: I would have agreed with her. I would have agreed with you if like we didn't, it wasn't so late in the season and maybe if it was a B plot to another episode, um, I mean, you can't have a big cliffhanger, in episode seven and then go to, and then completely ignore, go go away from Will and the gang and throw us into this situation with these new characters that I thought were pretty terrible. um, And have an episode, like, I don't even know if I paid attention to most of it because I was like, this doesn't feel like it's doing anything.
0: That seems to be a stylistic choice in TV now that I've noticed that they'll, they'll sort of like break a character away from, the plot, the the season plot, that overarching plot, and have them go off on their own journey. I'm trying to think offhand. Well, like, you know, Walking Dead does that quite a bit.
1: Well, you know what I have found? Um, I don't know if it's been influential, but at least analogous to both the second and third seasons of Stranger Things, the, it does seem to follow the Buffy playbook in a lot of different ways. And some of the things I won't cite specifically because they're coming up in season three, um, structurally as well as just like specific instances, but it really does remind me of stuff that Buffy did, um, which was breaking new ground at the time, got over 20 years ago now. Um, so uh, that's one example of, of, um, some of the, of a show that's done that.
2: Well, Lost did that a lot. Yeah.
1: Especially I mean, especially in stuff,
2: the later episodes where we had like the Richard episodes.
1: you mean when I stopped watching?
2: Yeah. I compare everything to Lost. Because uh, it was the greatest show of all time, um, but like we had the Richard episode, we had like the Jacob and the Man in Black episode, or we had, you know, we had a lot of episodes that we broke away and followed. And Westworld sort of did that this season too with the with the um, the Jimmy Simpson
1: episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think Westworld got away from itself. Stranger Things never really does. It was a. We're very satisfied with it, so so I um, wish you continued enjoyment with the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, and I think the kids are all really great. Yeah. Like, um, like, Maya, a lot was said about Maya Hawk joining the cast. I don't think she really added or took away to, from the show, but uh, I guess I liked her. Um,
1: I find I did.
2: Yeah. Um, anybody, did anybody else? Do we have anyone else new?
1: they expand um, Lucas's, Lucas's sister, sister Erica? Erica.
2: was fine. She was sort of a cousin Oliver. Like, you know, the, these kids are growing up, and we need someone cuter uh, and young. Um, the only problem I did have with the third season was um, the Brett Gilman. Is that his name, Brett Gilman? Yes. I don't remember the character's name. He was in season two. He's the guy who it thinks there's some conspiracy with Russia that Nancy and Jonathan go to visit in season two. He has a bigger role in season three and he feels very 2019. He feels Mm -hmm. like he's in a different show.
1: Yeah. I just feel like he was overused here in general.
2: Yeah. um, But otherwise I thought the third season was, was really great. Yeah. I
1: mean, we watched it like a movie, which is essentially how it's written. Um, they have these little cliffhangers that aren't full. They are not really like axe breaks. They're just they're just the end of a chapter. Um, and, and and so, yeah, we really like tore through it. And I, I really liked it.
2: And I was really happy to see Catherine Curtin as as uh, Dustin's mom.
1: Yeah. Catherine Curtin from what show?
2: Orange is the New Black.
1: Which we'll get to in a
2: second. <laughs>
1: Um, and yeah, lots of like an overwhelming number of '80s throwbacks. I think it's a little too much, um, but they're all the things that I love, including Back to the Future. So, yeah, a day doesn't go by that you don't have a DeLorean reference somewhere. I guess.
0: I guess not. So, so good. I look forward yeah, to continuing with that. Yeah. I'm not allowed till until the child gets back from her trip. So <laughs> I'm
1: third- on hold.
2: Moved faster for me.
1: Yeah. We were definitely, we were into it. I don't know if it was partly on our end, but but it moved fast for sure. Yeah. So, yes, when your child returns from her trip to the Arctic, you can revisit. I can revisit.
0: Okay, guys, so what else you watching?
2: Dead to Me?
1: Yeah, we watched season one of Dead to Me. Have you watched it or heard I of
0: it? I have not.
1: You know, you know what we're talking about, though, right?
0: I do know what you're talking about.
1: So, I will be, um... Uh, delicate here because this show is about Christina, uh, two women played by Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini.
0: Oh, wait Uh, a minute. I have seen this. I saw the first episode or two. Sorry, my bad.
1: So it left quite an impression. Mm -hmm.
0: My mistake. Actually, I really liked it, but go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say they each play um, widows who get acquainted at a um, What's the word that I want? Not therapy. It's the word. a Greek a support. A a support group. Yeah. Um, and, and the show is kind of marked by the fact that um, there are, uh, are uh, a bunch of information is given out from episode to episode that shows you that, like, things are not exactly what you think they are. So I don't want to say too much about it, other than it ended up being a different show than I thought it was going to be going into it. Um I think it sags a little bit in the middle episodes, which seems to be a trend of streaming shows, um, season by season. Um, but I, uh, but again, I was happy. I saw it and both of the actresses are excellent. Yes. Um, I think, I think the entire cast is excellent, including like featured players and, and stuff like that too. So, um, I encourage you to keep watching. We found it very easy to just yeah, keep going through. Yeah, it
2: reminded me of a lot, like, it had like a Desperate Housewives vibe. Um, Cooper Town was <laughs> another one I said. Um, it felt, you know, weeds.
1: Yeah, you know, it's very, it's it's Tony Newport Beach, so all the houses are huge and gorgeous, and, you know, the outfits are largely very well tailored and stuff like that. I just—it's a nice vehicle for for the actors. Though.
2: Yeah, I just wonder. It felt very. It's
1: I mean, more—it's more like a movie than a TV show. Yeah, like I don't know how they can sustain it.
2: Yeah, this is a problem I have with a lot of Netflix shows or a lot of streaming shows that there's no, there's no B plots and, because I guess the thing is that they know that everyone is going to sit down and watch a whole season, in one sitting. So just keep. People will just keep going, but it's like, you know, nothing wraps up in the end, and there's no B-plot, and I feel like this sort of show could wrap up after 30 minutes, 29 minutes, whatever, um, and we could have the next episode, but it, it did feel like a movie just broken up.
1: Uh, absolutely yeah I
2: don't it's coming back for a second season but it's like I don't know where it's gonna go
1: it doesn't seem like with a TV series you create it with enough room to move your pieces around and to add extra life to it and this one seems like pretty cut and dried from start to finish so I don't know how much life there can be for it but um, the first season is 10 episodes and
2: it was 10 or 8
1: it was 10 I think yeah I think it was 8 I think it
2: was 10 anyway um but it was easy to watch, which I find most of these half-hour things on Netflix are really easy to watch. Um, like Doug said, Linda Cardellini and Christine Abigail are really great. Um,
1: yeah, they truly James great. James
2: Marsden is really great. Well, there is, it is ten episodes. Um, <laughs> But it also, like, doesn't quite know, like, Christina Applegate got an Emmy nomination for comedy, but I don't really think it's a comedy. Do you?
1: No, but I don't think Russian Doll is either. And because they're half-hour shows, they, uh, (laughs) that's how they, you know, that's how they campaign.
2: But the thing is, it, like, aside from that, like, it sort of straddles the, like, is it a comedy? Is it a thriller? Yeah, I will,
1: I will say this, and... I uh, I don't think it like tips our hands too much. I thought this show was going to be significantly more about grief than it ends up being, hmm. because of uh, the mechanics of the plot. That I won't sort to of end. is
2: a, kind of like a cat and mouse, but not quite. I don't know. How would you describe it?
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't want to say too much. Yeah,
2: but I guess, I
1: recommend it. Is the yeah.
2: Thing. I guess the second season is going to be. Really different, probably. But we'll see. I just don't know how far. But that's what I say about a lot of these streaming shows. It's like, how far can this go? That's what I say about a lot of shows, like Killing Eve. I was like, how much longer can this go? Right. Or Westworld. Or
1: right. And what they do is essentially completely reinvent it yeah. or negate something that has been pivotal that already happened. Um, but no, I I very much enjoyed watching it. Um, what's her name? Liz Friedman? Feldman. Feldman.
2: Yeah, and Adam McKay and Will Ferrell are producers. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know it's in the credits. So, it's worth
1: watching. Yeah, definitely worth watching, and you're, like, almost a quarter of the way there. (laughs) Um, so now we can get into Orange is the New Black, which just dropped its final season, and we tore through it, so... So now we've seen all seven seasons of the show, and there will never be a new episode of it again.
2: There'll be a spinoff. No. it's going to be a Larry and, Paul and uh, Polly
1: episode. Uh, well, we're very busy, yeah. so we're not going to be able to watch anything else. No,
2: we're going to mm-hmm. watch the make soap.
1: We're not going to watch a spinoff. <laughs> um, I love the show. I think it had a lot of... I think you could see the strings sometimes. I think you could see creatively what they were up against in the writer's room sometimes. Um, It was was not perfect, but I think it is a major milestone in terms of modern TV storytelling and probably my favorite of the streaming era.
2: Mine too. Uh,
1: And, you know... They, they've done a lot. We've had a lot of characters come and go. We've had a lot of new storylines created for existing characters that felt unearned. Um, but it also gave a lot of work to a lot of really talented um, New York actors, stage actors. And um, and and I think what makes it a watershed is – and I've said this. We've said this to each other. We will never have a, a show like this. We will never have anything like this again that portrays this wide an array of, uh, of diversity in terms of age, in terms of uh, gender identification, sexual orientation, race and ethnicity and body diversity. We just will never have that again. Um, and and so even if I had quibbles over the years with, with story choices, like for that reason alone, especially because we're dealing with cast of women, like this show should be saluted. But it really does have so much great talent in terms of, I mean, like, everything, you know, certainly the cast and and writing, but even, like, in terms of, like, makeup and costume design. Like, (laughs) I mean, for a show that didn't have the biggest budget, they made the best of it all. And I think, I'm pretty sure, I have a couple friends that may listen to this podcast from time to time who have even been on the show, so I salute you guys, too. Um, Yeah, I like, I don't want to go into specifics, but, like, we could talk about some of our favorite performers who've okay. been on the show. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, we don't have to. We can talk about whatever we want. It's like it's free. We're on the outside. Yeah, yeah, I
2: know. <laughs> we're on the outside.
1: Um. I, I will say the, the lead of the show, Taylor Schilling. I think I think they didn't always treat her character Piper the, the right way, but I think she was always magnificent in portraying a very contemporary, conflicted character. Um, but Kate Mulgrew was terrific as yeah. Red um danielle the brooks prep. as tasty tasha um is magnificent um and i hope we see a lot more of her on stage and screen um I
2: everybody everybody natasha like, leone i mean natasha leone yale stone who's yeah my personal favorite um uh Salinas,
1: what? it begins with an l yeah. i don't remember her last name
2: she plays gloria mendoza
1: Laura, Did you watch any of the
0: show ever? No, I've never seen it. Oh.
2: Laura Gomez, I mean, Samira Wiley, everybody. Everybody, like, I mean, the show. Yeah,
1: and and so we're naming a lot of the everybody women who play the Laura inmates.
0: Pee-Pon. But, uh, yeah, Laura Prephon <laughs> is kind
1: of like the odds uh, but, but one of the actors that I think has sort of been criminally uh, undersung over the last few seasons is Nick Sandow. Um, who plays one of the corrections officers um, and has also ended up directing a bunch of episodes of the series? Like that guy should have three Emmys by now. Like, yeah, he's and, like they didn't do a campaign for him. He's never hired a personal publicist, so you don't know, necessarily know his name. But he did such a, a vivid job of playing, uh, a, you know, like a not great guy who who manipulated the red tape and also kind of had an awakening. And I think he was magnificent. I mean, it was a great, it was an enormous cast, and, you know, but they it was were largely also, great. Like,
2: it was nice. We had a prison show that was from the female gaze. You know, there was, it was never like Red Shoe Diaries or something. Or like, Oz. Or Oz. Yeah. Like, it was very, like, as realistic as you were going to get. And like Doug said, everybody looked different and. It represented all different walks of life, and there was tons of nudity on it, but it was a lot of it was just like, oh, we're in the shower, and women are showering, and it wasn't like hypersexualized, it was just like matter of fact. There was a lot less sex on it than people would make you believe, um, especially in the later seasons. Yeah. Um, because it didn't, like, there was never, and it never felt fortuitous because it was just.
1: No, it largely always felt organic. Yeah. Um, you know, they did some, contra- there were some contrivances. There were seven seasons, and season five, they tried to do something experimental where all 13 episodes well, took place during a three day prison riot. Um,
2: well, I always said the show reset itself like three times. It did. It's it like, it, like reset itself. And with that,
1: went some characters.
2: In season four, um, they, like, brought in a whole truckload of prisons. The prison went public. It had all these new COs that were, like, cartoonishly evil, um, which I think is, like, the worst. I do think it's the worst season, season four. Um, and then that already felt like a different show. Season five is a prison riot. It's a three-day prison riot. So the whole season takes place in three days. That felt like a different show.
1: And then when we deal with the after effects yeah, of it, it also feels six, like a different they show. They move to
2: maximum security. They get rid of more, like half of the characters. They add some characters. So that feels like a different show. Um, but otherwise, I they think did, it was pretty. You know,
1: and it's tough. And like uh, uh, we've been talking before, we're probably never even going to get shows like in the beginning we had this in House of Cards, which were 13 episode seasons. They were all an hour to an hour and a half long. Now we have them much more digestible. The Netflix model has shifted, so we get six or eight or ten episodes, usually between 22 and 28 minutes. Like, this was longer-form storytelling done with an enormous amount of people in a fairly limited amount of time. And I don't think we'll see that too much more often.
2: And going back to what I said about, like, Jed to me and, and uh, Strange Things, it's like, we had B-plots. We had B-C-D-E. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it felt like a contained episode that, and then we would move on to. You know, it didn't quite have, like, the plot twists and turns and, like, um, pyrotechnics of Stranger Things. Like, it was a lot no. calmer most of the time. But, um...
1: No, I mean, the pyrotechnics often came from the characters. And often, I mean... Um, season two was marked by a great performance by Lorraine Toussaint as V, um, and we had uh, this really, I think, interesting story in the sixth, the penultimate season, where we had Mackenzie Phillips and Henny Russell as two sisters who'd been lifelong inmates and hated each other, um, that I thought was, like, riveting at times to watch, um, You know, the show did a lot and sometimes overstretched its hand, I think, in terms of portraying how the system failed a lot of people because sometimes people are victims of circumstance and also still deserve to be in prison for doing bad things. The show could sometimes try and give them all an out. Um, But even when the show engendered sympathy, um, I thought the actors did a really good job of of finding the humanity there, including the flaws. Um, Sometimes, you know they rehabilitated characters a bit too much, like the Taryn Manning character, Penn Um, Suzanne, Suzanne Warren. Yeah. I mean, Uzo Aduba won two Emmys and was great as Suzanne crazy eyes Warren, but after a while they didn't know what to do with her. And instead of making her a, a person who was downright frightening in the beginning, they kind of made her, can I call it like the magical Negro kind of role? Um, but that's what happens. This is a very rich tapestry. And so you're going to find things that don't quite work and that don't blend well, in perfectly over I, 75 or whatever episodes. I
2: think another problem they had was that when you have so many characters, not enough of them were written out gradually. No. Like, no. Um, they kept, like, they would have these storylines where it was like, oh, you know, she got more time added to her. It's like, oh, we saw like Tasty gets released at the end of season one only to violate her parole like two episodes later.
1: Which would have been a great story if you want to talk about recidivism but they didn't really expand on that. Um,
2: Like Alex is written out because she gets sent to a different prison in season two and lo and behold she comes back. Like, um, it makes sense in the in the setting, to bring people in, but like we held on to a lot of characters for too long. I thought.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely, because they they were not always able to sustain. Also, there was not just a, a large cast turnover. I, I think there was a pretty big writing staff turnover as well over the course of the series. You know, Genji Cohen created the show. It's based on uh, you know adapted from the book by Piper Kerman about her real experience, which wasn't nearly as fraught as what happened on the show when Jenji Kohan also did Weeds and now she also created Glow um, and so each of those shows sort of has its own stories of like well cast friction and and, and actor writer friction I think that explains why some actors came and went also um, but you know she's also created three shows that, uh, that are all governed by female characters and the, the principal roles uh, so, you, you know, again, I salute it.
0: So
2: what did you think of the seventh season in particular?
1: I think there were a few storylines that were played out or introduced in this last season that were as good as the show at its best. But I liked being with the characters again.
2: Yeah, um, I don't know. I ultimately enjoyed the, the ice in um, well, the immigration detention. Yeah,
1: even though the show care. should technically not be set in 2019, because if these women are serving 13, 15, 20-month sentences, then we should still be in, like, 2014. Um, they've made it very responsive to the Trump presidency. There's a big ICE storyline. There's a big Me Too storyline. Well,
2: it's um, not that big. It, it peters out. But I think the ICE stuff worked for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's heartbreaking and, in some moments, very um
2: And they found, satisfying. like, um, a logical way to get to connect yes. the two. So, so that yeah. was fine. And it also involved, I think, all of my favorite characters, so that's by the way. I didn't mind seeing Piper on the outside. Um, I like the Pensatucky GED stuff. The Daya storyline, where Daya turns into Scarface didn't work for me Alita's storyline didn't work for me um
1: we're not just saying that's for you Karen because you won't necessarily know who these characters are I have no idea for any <laughs> listeners that have been following through the last seasons of Orange is the New Black uh we're talking to you and so please let us know if you agree or disagree
2: I, I didn't like what they did to Red it was Kate Mulgrew um, she ends up with dementia which is you know she was it's like, like an
1: instant almost she was like
2: the leader she was the one of the smartest and, and toughest and toughest and she was the mother hen and um I, uh, I I don't know why why we had to go there with her I don't
1: it does it it to a degree suffers from what every show including The Sopranos did which is we've got to give everyone an ending in the because it's the last season of the show and the truth is these journeys aren't all coming to an end. These sentences aren't all coming to an end. Life isn't coming to an end. So so for some people, you know, life continued to go on. Um, but for other people, they had, like, some capital letter E events uh, take place, which felt like final season-itis to me. And it wasn't necessary, especially in a show like this, which didn't always dip into that pool.
2: Yeah, but I don't think they did anything that wouldn't... You know, some shows end, and it's like, well, this feels very like like
1: Lost. <laughs> you know, but it well, feels sure. very final, or like Game of Thrones. And um. I, I, also, the show it owes an enormous structural debt to Lost. Yeah, because they incorporated the same flashbacks from episode to episode that Lost pioneered. That would give you the characters' backstories from week to week, and show you a bit more about how they got there, and sometimes. Uh, almost give you like a, a reversal on what you were seeing um, and no sh- other shows have certainly mimicked and been influenced by Lost but Orange is the New Black which is not a genre show was clearly influenced by Lost structure and used it in a way that I think also worked very well
2: yeah I think it's the best use of a large cast of characters
1: since Lost yeah, um, yeah I, re- I think I would agree
2: and, like, plotting and giving attention to storylines.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, we talk about peak TV and we talk about, like, the next generation of shows after The Sopranos and The Wire of Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Um, And Orange is the New Black, because of when it started, almost falls into, like, a, a period where we don't... we don't talk about those shows, like... We don't necessarily give a show like Damages or Orange is the New Black the same credit or, you know, like Justified, uh, the, the same credit that we're giving to, like, the shows that have come out in the last one or two or three years. Stuff like Westworld and Stranger Things on the Crown or The Handmaid's Tale, perhaps, that we're now elevating to, like, the heights of modern TV. Orange is the New Black falls into, like, an odd valley in between those two mini-eras of modern TV watching. But to me, it, like, really is a standard-bearer. Well,
2: that's why I think it's so good, because it didn't, it's, I think it, like, sort of developed as a network show, as opposed to
1: a streaming show. It did, it did, and now that model is gone.
2: Yeah.
1: So, I don't know, I think... The closest
2: thing we have is slow.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, which does come back soon. I feel like I would give the season a B plus B?
0: Yeah, I would and give I, it a B plus. I
1: think I would give the overall series an A minus B plus. But I think if I were to judge it by, like, the first three or so seasons alone, it would be closer to an A.
2: Yeah, although the third season was the panties.
1: Was four? <laughs> yes, it's Yes, I think it's season three. Yeah, there's a there's a panties storyline going on that does feel like a jump the shark decision. Well,
2: yeah, I mean, you sort of touched on it the show sort of where I think it failed was sort of like trying to show us the horrors of prison and like the prison, how like it, it wasn't Oz, you know, it wasn't like trying to show you that much awful stuff, but it was trying to show you essentially like that the prison system is corrupt and it's cyclical and it's hard for these women to escape their situations and,
1: yeah, and, and what it can drive them to, and how much can actually go on even and I think it, behind it, those walls.
2: But then at the same time, we'd have, like, everyone chasing a chicken, or, like, you know. And I think that's one of the criticisms that the show got, that, are like, at certain times it was like, wow, prison looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like,. And and I'm not making light of it, but it would be like, oh yeah, we're gonna have this like Christmas pageant, or we're gonna, like I said, chase a chicken, or like go swim in the lake. Like it's,
1: it's hard because and the we'll show make
2: great is because
1: the show really is more of a comedy than a drama, but it deals with so much serious subject matter that it can't shy away from it. Um, but it did, it, you know, it didn't always perfectly walk that line between comedy and drama. Instead, you got a lot of both.
2: Like in the seventh season, everyone has a cell phone, and it's like I am, we're all acknowledging that it's contraband. But it's like, where's
1: yeah? Where's I, the I Wi-Fi? feel like, yeah. I feel like the prisoners have better Wi-Fi than I do.
2: Yeah, so I do think there were some. I mean, I've never been in prison, and I don't know. I who hope was, not. I don't know who's done time who could corroborate on like the realism of it. But like, that was I think the main problem, and another problem that Doug sort of touched on too was like a lot of the characters were victims of their circumstances, um, whether, like, economically, educationally, um, racially. So a lot of their backstories were, like, you know, I had to... You know, one of the characters has, like, EBT fraud, right? Is that Gloria's backstory? Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, As a means of making more money. Or like a lot of these characters are like this is their only me you know way of life. Right, this like
1: they had no way out. They, they had, had no, no choices. Out. Their straits were dire. Yes.
2: So it's like there weren't there weren't that many characters who were like just bad people.
1: No, they often made it look like whatever they had to do, they did for love of their children, to protect their family, yeah. stuff like that. Um, and and it reduced, like, the grit factor unnecessarily, I think. But, yes. but then it would also be redeemed because you'd have these great actresses playing these stories to the hilt at the like, same time. even
2: the ones who, like, like Yoga Jones is in for manslaughter because she thinks, like, she shoots a kid thinking it's a deer. Like, Zan um, kidnaps a kid who I think who jumps out the window and yeah. I think he dies but it's like well she's mentally unwell so it's it, like gives her an out um yeah that's you know there weren't many people even like some of the murder like Miss Claudette in the first season she was a murderer but she murdered the guy who raped her uh one of the girls who yeah. worked for her so I don't know if it's necessarily
1: a criticism, but or I like, mean, I yeah. wanted
2: more hardened criminals. I mean, but- yeah,
1: I would, I would never watch this show and think it was a documentary of what happens behind closed right. doors. But it it came so close to feeling like a good representation of it that the times when it strayed a bit too far felt like a cheat. Like
2: again, I'm not saying that there are people in prison who are victim of their circumstances and I understand how like crime is cyclical and a lot of people do resort to crime because of their situations And but it felt almost like the writers didn't want to judge their characters does that make yeah,
1: sense? Yeah, or, the, or um, for the audience to do so
2: right And, like, Pensatucky, who, she's really awful in the first season. she, and her crime is she shoots up an abortion clinic. um, And she's, like, a fundamental Christian. um, Backwards hick, so to speak. um, With bad teeth. (laughs) She becomes this lovable, like, I don't even know how to describe her.
1: Yeah, she's like, yeah, she's she becomes, like, an underdog that you root for.
2: Yeah, and then she has. She's raped by a CEO, and then you, like, start to feel sorry for her, and it's a terrible, terrible storyline. Um, and even in the seventh season, like, she's getting her GED, and she's trying to prove she's not dumb, and she's got dyslexia, and it's like, oh, we've, like, totally gone 180 on this character yeah. who was pretty awful in the first season. I can't think of anyone, really, who's changed, who's, like... Like Daya has changed for the worse. <laughs> um Can you think of anyone else who's
1: It's uh um Amy
2: mm-hmm. Suzanne? Like they just so uh, Suzanne who peed on Piper's well, floor I think right. is red yeah? Fred was always stern,
1: though. They, I mean, there were some characters that started off very frightening. And uh, with, with Piper, the Taylor Schilling character is our conduit. If they were threatening her, then you feared these people. And then they, they stopped wielding that power to really induce fear into the other person over the course of the season. The more we knew them, the more lovable and bonded they all looked and felt. Um so that was one of the big changes, I suppose. But I don't know. Like, So we're saying a bunch of the flaws, and yet I still think the show rises above so much of the other TV I've watched in the last decade.
2: Yeah, I do too.
1: So anyone who's thinking about watching the last season, do it. Anyone who's thinking about watching the show, if you never have, including you, Karen, I say do it. I, I gave the show when it aired in July 2013, when they dropped season one. I said, "Eh, okay, I'll watch an episode and see." And I was hooked, and I went through that entire season in, in like a week, which at the time was like a big binge. Um, and I and I always anticipated its return for the next six years. So um, I think it was a I think it was a really uh, worthy entry in the history of television, and I think probably uh, you know undersung to a degree.
2: Yeah, people sort of really wrote it off after like three seasons. Um, stopped getting. I feel like the first year it was eligible, everybody on the cast, even <laughs> the cast, got nominated. Like, uh, and then it was really written off quickly.
1: Yeah, and then by the second season, most people are only talking about Uzo Waduba as Suzanne. Um,. And we just moved on to talking about other shows. I will say, it sticks the landing, ending-wise, far better than I think most people think Game of Thrones did.
2: Yeah, but it wasn't building to anything. You no. Know, there was nothing no, that was, a, like... In
1: a sense, it's... I don't, I don't want to say a victory lap, but an additional lap.
2: It, it just ended. And if it—if tomorrow they were like, well, we're going to have a season eight, it would be like, okay, there's nothing that... Uh, we just can't pick up from where like it didn't have a finality to it
1: which, which was for the best
2: it just wrapped up everyone's storyline
1: yeah so i think yeah i think we've said our piece on orange is the new black again we'd love to hear from you guys what you think about the show if you uh, stopped watching or if you watched all the way through do you agree what were your favorite stories and favorite characters and least favorites oh,
2: oh i have a question <laughs> Am I the only one out there who likes Vorna? <laughs> like, she was one of my favorite characters, and I feel like nobody ever talks about her. Um, but I think she was so good, and insane, and racist, and amazing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> she yeah. Was
2: so layered. Like she
1: was. She was never one of my favorites, but but I didn't dislike her. So, so, anyway, you can reach us on Facebook on Back on the Block Pod. Um, you can give us five star reviews on iTunes. Um, and yeah, let us know. And let us know if there's anything else we should be seeing and commenting on for you guys. Um, so, I think that's about it. All right. week, catch you again, right, Karen? Right. We'll see you guys next time. See you back on the blog. No, we won't. We will see you back on the Boulevard.
0: Bye. Thanks, Alyssa.
2: Bye, thanks for having me. Bye.